Hey, Joey Mills here with Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. Hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable Labor Day holiday weekend. But I know it's Tuesday. Many of us are headed back to the grind trying to get through the rest of this four-day work week. So we here at Pop Goes the Culture Podcast are going to help you out a little bit. We're going to give you another bonus episode today to help you make it through, get you back in the groove for the rest of this week. Kenny and Odin sat down with local songwriters and musicians Dan Fritz and Tara Lynn Fritz, both in very popular local bands here in Springfield and Southwest Missouri and 417 land. So uh, we want to thank them for their time, for putting up with those guys. And without further ado, here is Kenny, Odin, Dan, and Tara. Welcome to Pop Goes the Culture podcast. My name is K-Dub. I'll be hosting this week. Uh, being joined today by... Odin Wright. Odin Wright. We're going to be talking with some uh, local 417 people. They are musicians. They are singers. They are songwriters. They are two of the most popular ones in this area. So uh, we're going to get to know them a little bit. I've been interested in doing some different things outside of just regular well we normally talk comic books and stuff like that and I want to do music because music is very much pop goes to culture it is culture and so we're going to get to know them so today we're being joined by I am Dan Fritz I'm Tara Lynn Fritz all right fantastic I have known them for a couple years now and we uh I with music music has always meant a lot to me so when I meet people that are as passionate about music as you two are, and it's, if you've been lucky enough to see them perform, you will see that every note means something. Every, everything, you just feel it in their performances and that. And um, how did you guys, how, what were your influences growing up as far as music-wise? Um, I think um, early, early on was a school teacher, choir director was early on. But after that, I was a huge fan of Michael Jackson and how he performed, uh, Paula Abdul and things like that. So <laughs> right. I was very poppy yeah. uh, growing up as a teenager. And then as uh, time progressed, um, I kind of went backwards into my mom's favorites, in which were a lot of singer-songwriters like Harry Chapin, yes. uh, Joan Baez. So yeah. when it comes to my musical taste, it's all conformed uh, by all these different artists. But then, you know, you have personal influences too like my choir director but my parents were always 100 percent behind me no matter what i wanted to do that's always awesome how about you dan um it's you know i've had this conversation just recently with somebody but i i went to a lot of church growing up and you know like in church there is still a pretty fair amount of just emotion oh yeah. i mean you know just kind of in general but but even in the music and the music always kinds of brings out emotion and um, so then when I started to kind of get into music proper, it that that kind of passion for it just sort of spilled into that a little bit. You know, I mean, seeing what you could do musically, like um, as far as affecting people or inspiring people or, or even just putting a simple smile on someone's face to see something like that happen, which goes beyond just whether or not it's a poppy little song you can dance to. I mean, that that was definitely something that kind of got instilled in me pretty early. I'm talking yeah. 10, 11 years old type of thing, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. When <clears throat> I remember being four years old, driving by Lake, down Lake Shore Drive in Chicago, listening to, you know, Janis Joplin, you know, The Who and Leonard yeah. Skinner, stuff like that, just anything. And I just loved it. And that's, music's been a part of my life. Music means a lot to me as well, as far as I, uh, take it and you know certain songs will remind me of people or moments or whatever yeah. so it's yeah it's so powerful that church i love you know i'm not a religious person myself but i love listening to choirs sing oh the passion like the passion oh, in yeah. a lot of churches it's, yeah it's 100 i mean it's electrifying it's, it is you know that's yes. when they talk about the spirit to me that is what they're feeling they believe so much in what they're singing about and it conveys it's just amazing yeah. mm -hmm. and it's wild i mean just all of us all of us uh, human beings we we all tend to have a certain song that'll make us cry or a certain song that'll bring us back i mean it's the only way to time travel yep right i mean because you can listen to a song and it reminds you of when you were 12 and i mean i'm 12 you're back yeah. there yes <laughs> when when that song oh, yeah. comes on i'm just 
I feel everything I felt when I was 12. Oh, you know, yeah, the emotion. The... Like the soundtrack of life is what I've called it too. Like, which interestingly, there could be some songs that affect you negatively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you hear a song that reminds you of something not good in That's your correct. life. That's correct. A yeah. breakup song. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that like kind of that, stuff. Yeah. And then yeah. 20 years later, you're listening to it going, oh, you still love you it. still yeah. go back there. <laughs> Even yeah. if it brings oh, yeah. you back to that bad spot. Oh, yeah. So I, I have a few of those myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, as far as uh, transitioning from uh, loving the music <laughs> to actually getting into it, how, how did you, what was your first step into actually becoming performers? Well, I... Um, I, I don't <laughs> How far know. Do we if, go back, right? <laughs> yeah, like I don't. It's I don't far know. Back. If, like some things, as far as like starting to want to write songs and things like that. I mean, it, it's interesting because on our podcast, which you know we'll probably talk about here in just a minute, Absolutely. we we just recently had Heather Volts on our show, which mm-hmm. uh, her dad Greg X Volts used to sing for Petra. Oh, and yeah. I told her that um, he was one of the soul reasons why I wanted to not just stay in my bedroom playing piano but actually get on a stage and sing for people he he made it seem possible to me to uh, take some ideas that I might have and affect somebody or maybe somebody would care like you know he was like one of the first ones that made me think someone might care about what I have to say (laughs) in this particular song and so at a very early age sixth grade seventh grade Petra was one of my favorite bands in the whole wide world, and I just started to kind of naturally think, well, I should start writing some stuff of my own so mm-hmm. I can do something like Petra, now, you, you know? S- did you start uh, with singing? Did you start with playing I started. I started with piano. Like in third grade, I started taking piano lessons, kind of the the real typical like my parents just wanted me to do something uh-huh. and so i i got into doing piano lessons quite frankly for those of you out there listening i didn't enjoy it <laughs> i didn't want to do it i kicked and screamed to every lesson and to every you know needing to rehearse but i say that to make a point that i still was pushed to keep doing it and oh my gosh i'm glad i was because it 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 just, it, I, my whole entire life wouldn't be the same had I dropped piano and not done it anymore. And I'm glad that I didn't do that. So Fantastic. sometimes, you know, when you're younger, if you're listening out there, you're younger <laughs> and you don't feel like going to that next piano lesson. Be grateful later. <laughs> you ought to, yeah, you ought to give it a shot because it could, it could mean something to you in your life that you would, could never put value on later. You know? Awesome. Tara, how about you? I uh, think growing up, what, uh, got, what was your first experience into performing? The um, if you go way way back, um, I, you know, you're you you're in second grade, third grade, and they have these little choir things, and oh. not choir things, but like your teacher picks you for a solo, or oh, you have okay. like one yeah. line or something like that. <laughs> you know how that goes. Um, so I had one of those in like a second grade thing. Uh, White Christmas was the song, and we happened to be doing sign language as well because our second grade teacher was also a sign language teacher. But anyway, so I sang a little. Two lines, one line in a, in a thing when I was in second grade. And I was like, oh, that's great. Fourth grade comes along and my teacher um, was actually an art major who turned into an elementary teacher. And he was very into music. He had everything in, in the classroom for music and art. It was fantastic. But there was this electric green piano. And I remember it to this day that above it, it had a staff, the music staff, with the lights would light up. Whatever you were playing, oh, okay. they would light oh. up on the staff. Nice. And I used to think that was so much fun to sit there <laughs> and look back and see that. And I I would pick out melodies, uh, Noel, um, like simple ones, na 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 na, <laughs> simple ones. Just pick out these little melodies. So then, fast forward to fifth grade, and I'm here in Missouri, and they ask who wants to be in the band and and school band. Mm-hmm. And my mom had this rusty old Bundy flute in her closet, and I was like, <laughs> I- I'll do that. Yeah. I didn't even know how to play. Yeah. <laughs> Got it out, started <laughs> making stupid notes on it. Uh, sounds on it and my I can remember my dad saying I'm so glad you're not playing sax or trumpet (laughs) yeah so I would sit there and just practice on my own I didn't have lessons or anything like this so I was 10 years old really when I got kind of bit by the music bug yeah and then it was 13 when that same choir director I told you a little bit ago told me I had a good voice and that's all it took I was like then I'm hooked and I started singing big time from then that's awesome. It was it, awesome. a personal influences like that and just, just being around it, I think. Heck yeah. Well, fast forward in a little bit now. Uh, you both have had music careers for 
ever now. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about those as far as, you know, things that have took you out on the road and different things like that. I know yours. I know a little of yours, Tara. I know a little more of Dan's, but. Um, well, um, I went to college um, in the, the University of Cincinnati Conservatory Music for opera, actually. Okay. And uh, Dan likes to say I dropped out. I like to say I left. I don't like the negative connotation of dropout. So I just quit going, basically, because opera and, and all the rigid um, placement that you were supposed to be, everything was was supposed to be like what it was supposed to be. And I was, I was like, I just want to perform and I want to be free. The technicality of it, of it or yeah. even musical theater where you, you walk over here and sing these lines and walk over here. That just wasn't suiting me. Right. Um, moved back to Missouri and ended up just being, hanging out and doing open mic nights in Springfield and singing country. So yeah. I went from opera to country <laughs> wow. and uh, ended up being in a country band that toured all over the United States, not making a whole lot of money, but we were living the dream, hey, you know? <laughs> sometimes that's what it's about, you know? Yeah. yeah so that, uh, that shows that you love it. That's you it. Because it's easy to give up on something like that. If you're not seeing the monetary mm -hmm. value of it, a lot of people are like, well, for forget sure. it then. Yeah. You know? For sure. Hey, but, I, I, I sold my guitar and bass when I decided I wasn't going to be a rock star. So right, right. I know that very much. <laughs> yeah, so we, we made virtually no money, but paid bills kind of thing. But I didn't have a real job for at least eight or ten years. Yeah. It was all music for, for about eight or ten years of my 20s well and you guys were going in places playing five nights a week oh yeah five nights four, a week. four hours a night yeah, and yeah. it wow. was kind of like an actual thing that was happening back in the 90s where people would hire bands a week at a time especially huh? the country bars okay. because most of them were just kind of a place to come and dance mm -hmm. yeah. and so um it didn't as much matter that you brought in a megastar country band right. they just wanted a band yeah. basically like a house band a live so, jukebox <laughs> Yeah. So they would play, you know, a week in this city and another week in mm -hmm. another and another week in another. And that's kind of how that sustained. We itself. toured for six weeks at a time and then came home for a week just to chill or, or got a gig around town. Yeah. A lot of times we would fill in for there was an uh, old bar in town called the Top Rail. Yep. And we would play on their vacation week. So yeah. once three times a year, four times a year, we would come in and play th for them uh -huh. on our off week. We'd still play <laughs> five nights, but we'd be home. And wow. through that is where you got the, the offer to... To work uh, with the Statlers, yeah, I was I opened as a for, solo, um, as a solo artist, yeah. I worked with the Statler Brothers on tour for about five years. That I do remember. You, you remember you that, telling, yeah, yeah. And it was uh, it was amazing. That one was different. We were still touring, but there was I think the smallest crowd we played for was fifteen hundred people. Wow. So and the largest was about twenty thousand. So it was it was fantastic. Wow. I was living the dream as an unknown artist opening for this major group, the Statler oh, Brothers, yeah. and they kept me on for five seasons, five years. Wow. Yeah, it was great, until they retired, actually. That's so amazing. That's my early working music career, and that started about 1992, right I guess. All right, Dan, let's hear about yours. Well, I just kind of, um, um, as soon as I started getting into high school, I, uh, this, this idea of just trying to write some songs and playing by myself at home, I, I didn't really come from a musical family. So I, uh, I didn't have brothers to jam with necessarily or, or even that many friends, uh, you know, elementary and all throughout that. So as soon as I started getting into high school, I kind of started getting, you know, a lot more like I'd like to be in a band, you know. So I, it, I threw, threw the feelers out there and, and I kind of uh, stumbled into one. And then when I got into college, I, I you know, there was a, a band that we had gotten in and another band that we weren't so I was starting to kind of just dabble and bounce and you know nothing was really sustainable and I don't know fast forward a few years and um I started a band called Johnny Q Public um um right right out of here Springfield Missouri uh -huh. uh, it was a Christian rock band it was kind of right in the time and era that Nirvana and Pearl Jam and those kind of bands were hitting we're talking like 92 93 somewhere mm -hmm. around there um, and I don't know, it just kind of all fell together and the, the chemistry was great and the, the, the people that I kind of, you know, thought would be a good option to be in the band, basically all of them said yes and we kind of took off um, and just started doing it and it didn't take very long for us to get some, you know, original songs written, to get some record label interest and uh, long story short, we got a... We we got a a small budget from our record company to shoot a music video. That music video actually ended up on MTV. This would have been uh, 
94, uh-huh. 1994-95. I actually do remember the video. Yeah, we got <laughs> I actually do remember seeing you guys when I would, used to go out to the oh, clubs wow. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Not knowing, going to know you for decades. Right, <laughs> right. You know, the, the MTV thing was a total fluke. I mean, we uh, our label was a very, very small label at the time, and they didn't have tons of money yet because they had kind of just gotten a little too ambitious out of the gate, which was actually a beautiful thing. We loved them about that. But it also spread them thin. So, I mean, I think they gave us a music video budget of like $5,000, which maybe some people think that's a lot, but <laughs> that uh, usually music videos can be a hundred grand or more. So oh, yeah. this was next to nothing. So we literally built our own set, um, found a place to do it, um, did all the legwork ourselves, and we're hauling cables and cameras. And a buddy of mine that was a, um, a roommate in college actually was majoring in film and video and so he agreed to do that we were literally painting and nailing and setting up lights and built our own set and got the thing done for less than the thousand five thousand dollars they gave us randomly we get called three months later mtv's gonna play your video (laughs) which you know we had we had a distribution company to do it and uh so they just distributed it to everyone whether it was christian or not you know and, uh, and that was the beauty of your music, too. It, it was a crossover type um, Christian, Christian rock, but it was very crossover because your lyrics were not so... Yeah, how... I think when people think of Christian rock, they, they, they don't think of a band like John Q. Public. Right. We, yeah. we were Christian and we had the heart for it, but we were not... Um, you know, one of the record labels that almost signed us and we said no to them, and they were actually a very major... Christian record label if I said their name you would know who I'm referring to you would know them uh one of their big guys uh the president of the company actually came and listened to our songs while we were recording and he told us we didn't have enough JPMs uh-huh. and I said I don't know what JPMs means <laughs> what does that mean and uh he said Jesus per minutes <laughs> so, so he uh, so we're not going to sign you because you yeah, don't have enough. JPMs. He kind of turned us down because we didn't have enough JPMs, and that, and which is you know okay, that's fine. But we just weren't that kind of a Christian band. We were trying to actually still resonate with the age group of our demographic, and not be quite so overly Christiany, if uh-huh. if that's a word. Um, and it worked really, really well. And that's another reason why MTV, I think, was a little open to it. So anyway, we were playing on, um, what was it, uh, uh, with Matt Pinfield, 120 hey, minutes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> then I'm not crazy. Yeah. Okay, cause <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that, and I was like, and I could have sworn on there even they kind of promoted you a little bit. They as- did. It was actually a very funny night because – it the word got out in Springfield via you know some TV stations and then also like US 97 and back then I think we had uh, the planet yeah. what was that radio station that was like Z or yeah I can't remember but yeah, I <laughs> but know what you're talking about anyway they were actually promoting it on the air all night like John Key Pub was going to be on MTV tonight and so there was watch parties kind of uh, you know all over town and we sat and watched the entire episode of 120 minutes and, and they like, didn't oh, no. play the video <laughs> like, so we're kind of freaking out because we're recording it on TV we're doing all these yeah. things you got Everyone's all these going wa- people watching it <laughs> I'm getting all these people calling me I don't even think texting existed back no. then so anyway um so they cut back to matt pinfield he was actually the host and i remember that night oasis was their guest band and matt pinfield says in the camera well that'll do it for tonight hope you guys enjoyed the show like we had a really great time and we're sitting here watching this with our jaws dropped i'm just like we the whole town of springfield is watching and now and now we look like total (laughs) tools because they're not going to play it. And he's like, but before we go. I'm like, <gasps> you're like, yes. <laughs> Do tell. And he actually took a minute to say Springfield, Missouri, Oren Thornton and Sean Turner are both young kids, just like the band Silver, Silver Chair. Like these guys are a really cool group and they're really young. He said a bunch of stuff. Oh. And then the show closed with our video. It was like, it was like the biggest emotional roller coaster. (laughs) Well, I remember because I used to come home from 
going out to parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would make sure I got to home in time to watch 120 minutes. And uh-huh. I actually remember watching that, oh, not wow. hearing any of the hype, not knowing anything. Right. But I remember that and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I was like, I've seen them play it, blah, blah. I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, right on. You know, I didn't think much of it. It's just like, yeah. hey, good for them. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. And yeah, then 20 was, years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, that happened, and it kind of spawned some other record label interest. And, you know, long story short, we tried our best, and it just, uh, a few years later, it just wasn't working. And yep. we had, uh, I'll save all the details. It just, <laughs> We just kind of ended up disbanding maybe around uh, the year 2000 or so. Okay. And so yeah. I started kind of getting interested in some doing some other things. So Yeah, absolutely. And then... But that was our that was our brush with fame. <laughs> that was our almost made it. <laughs> so Tara's got the Statlers. I got the, I got the MTV. Got the <laughs> That's amazing. Well, going a little bit forward to where I met you guys, uh, Tara was just getting to form Violet, mm-hmm. and then Dan was coming. Well, to winding up a thing with Machine Gun Symphony. Yes, and uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, let's go back to Tara tell us a little bit about Violet that coming about okay all right well I I had been in cover bands my whole career Uh and done a handful of original songs in that entire span of at that point maybe 24 years 22 years something Mm. like that and when I when I decided to start my own band I'd always been a singer in someone else's band whether I was uh, married to that person or not whatever but it was never really my band so um, I, I, I was like, I need to do my own thing. And with the help of Dan, he was a good friend of mine at the time. We weren't together then. Um, he was suggesting songs that really said a lot. And that's where I was in my life at that point. I had just ended a relationship that wasn't so great. And I was like, I need to do something that's just for me. So the point of Violet was, and still is, is most of the songs are, are covered. All of them are covers, but most of them are are saying stuff that I want to say because yep. I'm not necessarily a prolific songwriter yet. At oh, that yeah, point. they're not just random. There is they're definitely hand chosen. Yes. You can tell they all have a theme. And Absolutely. You know. Yes. And so it's not necessarily, oh, power to the women kind of songs, yeah. but it's power to the person, power to yeah. the human. Um, and so it still is. We add a few more little fun songs now. We've kind of changed our set list a little bit, but a lot of the songs are still there. So when I started that band, I know it's not the most popular cover songs that are going to get the big giant crowds and and whatever, but I'm singing with a lot more integrity than I had been in years. And Uh it really, really makes me feel good to be on that stage singing those songs. So, and that Violet still plays. We just had a show Saturday night. So yeah, I know. (laughs) I wanted to come out because we'll get to with a boot and that as well oh yeah but because the wife's a little behind on quilting right now we didn't get you to come <laughs> out but uh that is something we definitely both of us want right to on do. right on uh now going to dan he was just coming out of machine gun and mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. you were ready to start a new chapter in your life and you actually had kind of started it with uh, Odin as well your yes. son Elvis had yes. started a band called the Verbing Nouns yes and where did that idea come from the uh, we'll just backtrack and just a, a minute the the machine gun thing was kind of interesting even the way it all came about and everything because you know in Johnny Key Public even though we were on MTV mm-hmm. we would play Springfield for 11 people yeah <laughs> so it, it really wasn't like we made any money it wasn't <laughs> like we got super famous we were still it was it's always still been a struggle to just kind of really cross the threshold and you know people start uh, appreciating you for your original music so fast forward several years after we had had to uh, dissolve and break up we started machine gun symphony as a joke mm-hmm. i mean it was actually <laughs> started as a prank because we were playing downtown and some of the clubs down there and we still knew them personally so we kind of told them we've got this new band we're starting and you should book us at your place <laughs> and they get all jazzed up and excited yeah. because they think it's going to be some version of Johnny Q Public or Flick or Fern these were like some of the bands that were doing pretty good back in 95 uh-huh. um, and so the guy said yes immediately well we didn't tell him what we were going to do <laughs> and so we get into the little green room dressing room and start changing into our spandex and stuff in our pants and doing these things and when he comes back to kind of see if we're ready to get on stage he about oh yeah you know he, he about loses it like what, what's going on here it's like yeah. well, this is our this is our new band and uh, it was just kind of done for fun and it was fun it was fun but what i think was interesting is machine gun within our first show or two we're packing the place out oh yeah like 
the the second show we ever played down at the Elton Ballroom was a sold out show. They had to turn people away at the door, and we're all sitting there thinking to ourselves, you know, we tried so hard to be filled with integrity <laughs> and filled with like our voice, and as soon as we sang Bon Jovi, the place went crazy. So. Yeah. We were like, well, why don't we just do this? Because we still just love being on stage. And so that's kind of how that played out. But because of that being the root of it, after about 10, 11 years of it, I, I was... Which was a hell of a run. Yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> it was. And yeah. I was weary. You know, I, didn't, yeah. I wasn't quite getting the thrill out of it um, that I did when we first started. And I really was missing my um, origins and my original songs and... I just, I missed it, and I think that kind of is what started making me um, not quite as enchanted and <laughs> interested in continuing with uh, the machine gun thing. Yeah. The verbing nouns was definitely one of my very first kind of like stepping out of that place and wanting yeah. to do something that felt more fulfilling. Yeah, and that's why I kind of brought it up because mm -hmm. it was you going, it, okay, I did that. Yeah. Now, this is something I've wanted to do as yeah. well. And you did. I was more proud of the verbing nouns uh, than I was anything I ever done in Machine Gun. I mean, Machine Gun just was like a, it just was for fun. It was for fun on day one, and mm -hmm. it was for fun the day I left. It, yep. That's all it was. The verbing nouns was so fun. My son, Elvis, um, started really developing you know, pretty good just as a player and interest in music. And long story short, he ends up uh, knowing and meeting your son, yep. uh, Odin. Yep. And we had uh, Blade and Maisie join. And when we I, I we started working together so I, I just was kind of trying to work with them kind of like a producer I guess and and trying to teach them what the rhythm section was and what guitar parts were and why it was important to actually hit the right note and I'd like and to add that they were 11 12 10 11 oh, they were little guys old. yeah they were yeah. Little very guys. young and they were putting on better shows than the big guys yes were. they were, they were. <laughs> and that's not because there are kids it was legit. We would have legit. people constantly coming up and be like, dude, you know, your your son's blah, blah, blah. And you would hear blah, 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 all yeah. this. And we, yeah. we would all hear about them. And it was true. What they was were, told to me more than any other thing after their shows was that's not a kid band. Right. Yep. That's a regular that's band. It's a band. Yep. <laughs> and I was yep. like, well, <laughs> that's what we're trying for. And, you yep. know, it, one of Elvis's frustrations for where he had come up until we started the Verbing Nouns is just he wanted to work hard. And once I got the rest of them together, I realized they did too. I remember one night... Uh, pushing Odin until he actually started getting blisters on his fingers. <laughs> yep. And he was yep. like, my fingers are blistering. I was like, good, play Yay! it again. Yep. Play it again. <laughs> I'm hurting. And they needed that. And it was good yeah. that you could bring that. Yeah. You know, but you also, in that period as well, you were working with Violet. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. He was, yeah. There was a lot of things like that. Like I was wanting to kind so of producing a band. I was so a thing. starving for getting into some different kinds of aspects of music yeah. that was not just pretending to be Bon Jovi, right? I mean, I did have fun, so I'm not dogging it, but I'm just saying I personally was loving seeing the development and the verbing nouns. I was loving seeing Violet come together, which which was like a whole different avenue that Tara had ever taken. I loved starting to get back into writing. I wrote three or four songs that uh, we are playing to this day during the time when I was in that zone of like trying to, you know, what else do I want to do? And so those last just couple of years, you know, has been a, a, a big yeah, big like exploring a lot of new things. For yeah, myself. transitioning into stuff you also want to do. Now we have the group that you have that are just both of you, mm -hmm. and it's called Boot. Yeah. Now, how did that? Obviously, besides the fact that you two are newlyweds, right? And, <laughs> right. You know <laughs> that you want to do something with each other, but how? What made you go? Okay, let's do this particular thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how even even. Um, since our friendship started, there's been a lot of people that have said, you two should sing together because I, I have kind of a, I guess, a dynamic of my own. She has a incredible dynamic of her own. And I think a lot of people have wondered whether we were together or not. Like, you two together would be a really interesting concept. Well, I've gone through some struggles in the last couple of years and had to kind of get back on my feet um, for some personal reasons. And so it's just been a little bit on hold. But just here lately, yes... We've started to, you know, write songs together. We've started to sing songs together. We built a studio in our home. 
and have been working. She teaches vocal lessons. We teach songwriting lessons. We'll do recordings for people. We, And it, it just, you know, once I started getting back on my feet, it just started to feel good again to start playing and to start singing again. It had It was a process because... If I can just add real quick, the the music is got so much heart and soul in it that it's and this kind of sort of touches back on my machine gun symphony thoughts. I I couldn't do it until I was ready. I just couldn't. I, my heart was not ready. My emotions weren't ready. I was just too damaged uh, two years ago. Just in the last six months to a year, I've been feeling like maybe I could do this again. Maybe I mean I know I'm getting old. I know I'm I'm fat and ugly, but <laughs> but I don't care. Maybe I could do it again. And it took a lot of emotional healing to get to that place where I was even open-minded to it at all. And that's kind of when we started thinking. Because well, believe me, I was bugging him way before that. Yeah, I mean, Tara's, Tara's been pushing me for a few years, like, you know, do it. And I just kind of, in other words, you know, explained to her, like, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do and that. And we've actually yeah. been dabbling in the writing and the arranging of different songs. This whole time. Taking some songs of mine that I had written and rewriting them together. Taking some songs that he wrote and me singing a part or whatever. We've been dabbling in that for a, about a year and a half. Yeah, that's something that I, or more. Gonna, I wanted to bring up. You know, you're coming out to see this. You're not just seeing, you know, a cover band. Right. There is original content yeah. to this Mostly group. original. Yeah. Um, I think Saturday night we did two cover songs, maybe three. Two out of yeah. 20. Out of 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we, we're taking the risk and we're going to roll the dice on just like yeah. people are either going to not like what we're doing or they're really going to like it. And I finally have gotten to a place in my life where I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're doing it and that's the important thing. You know? yeah. And if, if someone's like, ah, I don't really like you, that's fine okay. with me. It that's doesn't okay. bother me a bit. And you've been that way though from you know our conversation here. You've played to 11 people. You yeah. know, you've played, you know, yeah. to people that could were more about drinking than they were listening to the band oh, and yeah. stuff. But right. you know what? It's because you loved it. Yeah. And as yeah. long as you're doing what you love, then, you know, if people are on board and dig it, fantastic. If not, well, there'll be I'm somebody else. I'm going to keep else, doing it. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And right. If, 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 you're, if you have 11 people, and, and let's just say those that nine of those 11 people are sitting there paying attention to you, yeah. awesome. Then yep. you've, yeah. got a, you've got an audience. Yep. You but know, I've always different. said, a five or 5,000, it's the same show. But it, I was going to say, but it is different when you're up there doing original music. Yeah. I, me, being a cover singer most of my career for 25 years, it, it's like, it's, it's scary. It's scary oh, for me. It's got to be terrifying. But it, it's, it's beautiful at the same time because once you're done and you hear people screaming or applauding and, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm accepted. You know, so, I mean, Dan says he doesn't care and I don't either, but I still want that. I you want, do. It's I nice well, that's what I was more. getting ready to butt in and try to explain mm -hmm. is, is it's different to, you know, want the accolades of your of your uh, audience or your crowd because it's fulfilling a a, a, a crowd shaped hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> to, <laughs> to steal a little bit from Bono from you too. It's it, if if you have a hole that needs kind of those cheers and those you know um, that love from an audience. That's different from what I'm saying when I say. I feel so good about what I'm doing now that it doesn't actually matter. I don't need, I don't have the hole anymore. Yeah. Right. So of course I would love for people to love my music, but I don't need it yeah. like I used to. That's, that's, that's kind of what I meant, the difference between those two things. Right. So when I say, well, I don't care, I don't mean I don't care about you. I just mean like, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay if someone likes my songs or don't like my songs. Exactly. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about the Backbeat Productions. Explain what that is and what you do with that. Well, first of all, it's a it's a, in, in, we converted a two car garage in our house, and that's where we're uh, ha making most of this magic happen, if you will. And and it took and us. It's really cool in here, by the way. Oh, you like it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I dig it in here a lot. <laughs> um, it, it, we uh, we tried to make it a multimedia type studio. Now, you know, obviously, it was going to be centered around music, mm -hmm. um, but we probably sketched out on the concrete floor. 15 different versions of what we'd have in here on, with chalk yep. and then we'd wipe it down and we'd try to do something else um, and 
we came up with the idea to just make it open in the middle and just put everything on the outside of the wall. So we have, we cover music, we cover um, recording, we cover graphic arts, we cover, uh, help me out. We got, yeah, we got photography, uh, backdrops, video. video. So we can do. We got an isolation booth for Mm -hmm. doing. There's there's a green screen behind Dan. Yeah. Yeah. There's everything you would need for anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so we we came up with the idea and we actually rented a little room to practice on that for a while before we built um and that's when i said a second ago about a, working on songs and stuff for about a year and a half we had a little room where we'd go to and write as well uh-huh. and that was um over on metamere mm-hmm. a little tiny place over by craft yep. and it was a little yeah. tiny room They've over there, there. They've, that's right yeah. and uh so that's where the kind of the idea and the thought and the dream started but when we uh decided to remodel this garage it we just did it and 25 days or something <laughs> yeah the original inspiration was that tara is has actually become a, a pretty um uh, high um oh hell what's the she's in demand her <laughs> as a vocal coach so her vocal teaching has kind of grown progressively over the last three or four years and she's gotten to a point where there's quite a few people who are wanting to take lessons with her who are ex- or who are already taking lessons from her and her schedule's constantly filling up and so that was kind of the original inspiration for getting this studio that so that she could teach students here in this bigger room. A lot of yeah. times when kids take vocal lessons, they got to go to a music store or someplace like this. And yeah. the room's like a five by five. Oh yeah. yeah. They're tiny. Yeah. And it's, it's so uncomfortable to sing in front of somebody when you're standing that close. I couldn't do it. I mean, yeah. I've been singing, you know, most of my life and I still couldn't do it. So we kind of set this up to kind of feel like a stage. We've got a, a truss of lights in front of the stage. We have monitors on the floor, just like they would be in a real yep. live uh, situation. Tara is able to actually get away from the students a little bit, so it gives them their space. And then the teaching and the the training there becomes a totally different thing because they're feeling like they kind of are on a real stage. So we did like a really small mock-up of that. Now it's grown into even more stuff than that. So we call it this little powerhouse of creativity. That's one of the ways we describe <laughs> uh, Backbeat because... Yes, it's it's something that um, involves all the above, everything Tara just mentioned, and then some. If someone's got some <laughs> ideas and you want to come over and try something, I don't care. We had one girl actually ask us if we would rent the room out so that she could just come and do interpretive dance by herself. Mm-hmm. It's like nice. Well, okay, yeah, if you want sure, to, sure. <laughs> why not? She just like I love the space, and we'll can I lock the, the doors? The side and, lock you know? the doors and put some music on yep. and dance by myself. Like yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't actually. It really, you know, we're just kind of uh, seeing where it goes from here. We've Absolutely. been around for about a year now. Um, this pretty much this weekend. Mm-hmm. This weekend, so. yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about your newest thing. That, oh, yeah. At least newest that I know of. The podcast. Tell yeah. us a little bit. Tell us the name and what you guys do with that. Um, the, the name is Unsung Dreamers. Right. The not the the musical stories of the not so rich and famous. Musical journeys. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Musical journeys. I can't even think of my own <laughs> podcast name. I think after just talking to you for the last uh, 20 minutes here, it, it it's it, it kind of becomes somewhat apparent just real quick without getting into all the details that Tara and I have tried really hard and, (laughs) and uh, in a lot of ways we didn't make it. And I mean that in quotes, so (laughs) I mean that, I mean that in quotes because it's not always the goal to make it. That's for sure. But when you're young and you're 20 years old, when you think I want to make it, that is your goal. Then like you, you want to be famous. Like you want to be, like the biggest of the big and winning Grammys and, and touring all over the world and, and all these kinds of things. And when you're our age, maybe that idea of making it is not necessarily what we want anymore, but at one time we did. And so the thing that uh, we're doing now is in this podcast, Unsung Dreamers, is working with what we know. And there's one thing Tara and I know as musical people, you know, it takes a whole hell of a lot of work and sometimes you still don't quote unquote make it. Yeah. Yep. But why is that story any less than the ones who have? So we can hear, you know, Dave Grohl's story uh, on 60 minutes. We can go to Barnes and Noble and buy his biography or yep. Nirvana's biography or, you know, all these things. Uh, he'll be on Jimmy Fallon. He'll be on Jimmy Kimmel. 
and we can Wikipedia his ass. Yeah. So, but you can't relate to it. <laughs> well, you may or may not, but you yeah. can't do any of those things for me. Yeah. Nobody can get on, you know, uh, anywhere and find out that Dan Fritz tried his butt off for uh-huh. 25, 30 years and went through the breakdowns on the side of the road and went through meeting famous people and went through yep. the click moment or the death yeah. in a family that inspired me to want to sing or the yep. all these cool things that make a musician a musician. Nobody will ever know my story. And that's what inspired us to start this podcast because there's thousands of us out there oh, yeah. who have these incredible stories and there's just not a platform for them. And so... Um, that's kind of been sort of the background. And for we know that even just Springfield alone, mm-hmm. just our little tiny town has thousands of musicians and music oh, yeah. industry people. And really, really talented. Yes. This, yes. People, if you're listening and you're not from this area, Springfield, Missouri has <laughs> an array of talent that would blow your mind. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And I think what a lot of people have gotten frustrated about <clears throat> from the fans to the venues to the players and the singers is, and I'm sure you have experienced this as well, you and Odin probably both, you'll go see someone that blows your mind, like, holy cow, this guy's good, yep. and there's like 10 people there. Yeah, And yeah. I'm like, there should not be 10 people here. Yeah. <laughs> like, This is the kind of act that maybe in a bigger city or maybe in a different musical culture, I don't know what it is, but this dude should not have five or 10 people in front of him, he should have five or 10,000. Oh yeah. And I think one of the problems is, because I've been kind of you know, uh, an advocate for this for years now, and sometimes I've gone about it the wrong way, because I can be a <laughs> smart ass, and I can get, you know, put my foot in my mouth. But I have finally honed in, like, I really think that A bigger problem is that our general public in Springfield, Missouri, just doesn't have any avenue to the heart and soul of who it is that's being on that stage, that is on that stage. And without that, you can't just tell someone, like, if you had some, because I know you like heavy music. So if you, right? Uh, I like all kinds of music. Well, I know you like all kinds, but you're a bit of a heavy heavy music guy. (laughs) Yes. If you just came to me and said, hey... You should come check out this band with me Friday night. They're called like the the Axe Killers or you know some heavy some some sort of a name that sounds like a heavy band. Mastodon. <laughs> yeah, Mastodon. something like this. For me to it would be actually kind of weird for me to just go, "Okay, if I've never heard of them." Yeah. I would probably be like, "Well, who's who's the Axe Killers?" And you would be like, "Dude, you don't yeah. know them?" <laughs> and then you are the one that tells me like they're from this and from this town and they used to do this and the guitar player used to play for, you know, Metallica and this guy used to, you're telling yep. me their story. Then when you sell me on them, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go see them. Oh yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the podcast is for being that platform for telling people don't just go see Nathan Bryce, yep. here's why you should. Oh, yeah. Because exactly. we got him right here and we're going to tell his story, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And that's what would get me to the show. So, just on its simple, simplest level, uh-huh. um, we've all done that to each other growing up. You know, you got to yeah. come see this band. <laughs> and your buddy's first natural reaction, why? Yeah. Well, and, because of this. And this is great because, you know, you're not just telling that friend. If you have hundreds of subscribers and let's let's say you got seven hundred subscribers and four hundred of them are in this town, right? And they're listening to it and they're like, "Who the hell are they talking about?" I've never mm-hmm. seen that. But you're like, "Yeah, they're playing Galloway Station or they're playing, you know, yes. whatever." And it's like, "Well, well, I'll go check them out. I might you check know? them out." And, yeah, you know, going back to what you're saying with the podcast, we start our podcast because we just were two friends that have been friends forever for decades. And we just weren't able to hang out anymore. <laughs> and we're like, hey, this is a chance for us to sit down, be goofy, talk about weird shit, you know, right. just all right. that. And uh, one thing that we promote to a lot of people, because we've been able to do some, uh, like, panels where we talk about, you know, this is how you get started in podcasting and stuff like that. And the one thing we bring up a lot is, you know, Anybody can podcast, whether you do it on a level like this or you just simply do it on a level of you've got a laptop and maybe a couple cheap mm-hmm. old microphones. Right. Do it with your friends because those friends may move away. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid they pass away. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you interview your grandma, yeah. your yes. uncle, your blah blah. These everyone has a story. Yes. And no matter how much they're like, ah, I didn't do a whole lot. It's like, well, tell me. Well, in World War Two, I and then you I, find I, out. Was, like, what? You're like, hold on a yeah. second. How yeah. did that not come up? <laughs> right. But when they're gone, you know, I I have just a few recordings of my grandpa telling a story. I wish I had more of my mom because she passed two months after my grandpa did. And right. so I don't have this stuff. So it would have been cool to be doing something like this, have their right. voice where I could just go back and listen to it just for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if anybody else heard it, but mm-hmm. you know, but now with you guys, your podcast is bringing these names of people that I've checked them out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I've recognized a few from, cause I'm, I'm a big thing of, any live show in town, I don't care if it's a dude and a guitar, a woman and a harmonica, you know, 10 people in the band, band. Yeah, go right. check it out. Yeah. Because yeah. you're most likely going to be pleasantly surprised. There's right. a handful of times I've been like, yeah. ah, that wasn't worth the right. $3 I paid to get into here <laughs> sure. for. But then there's some that it's like, oh my God, I would have paid $100 into right. this show. Yes, yes. So go see them. And you never know the people that are you go see they may get into another band that you're like, oh, I saw them play a ball ball. Now they're in, oh, nice. And okay. that's, yeah, and that's part of the goal of, of what we're doing is is that just the idea of a musical culture is, I do think Springfield lacks it a little bit. And what I mean by that, let me be clear. I think Springfield, Missouri really appreciates live music and they really appreciate talented singers and songwriters and original music and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, because otherwise the Galois wouldn't sell out when Jason Isbell comes to yeah. town. So we we appreciate oh, the music, yeah. but we just don't have any way of knowing the the artists' stories. And one thing I was going to add when you tell that story about when someone says, "Oh, I don't think I have that interesting of a story," mm-hmm. we've already had within twelve or fourteen interviews, we've already had about half of them stop in the middle of the interview and go. I forgot I'd lived all this. Like I I didn't realize I had done so much (laughs) because we try to bring them back all the way to the beginning and they're starting to tell stories about things they did when they were six years old and eight years old and 12 years old. And they even have this weird self like aha moment of like, well, I have done pretty good. (laughs) I I have done a lot of things and those have been really special special. moments. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to, I know Joey's probably like, how long is this thing? But I love talking. I, love <laughs> I know, we do too. Stuff. But uh, now, as far as the future, do you guys have anything, future plans for any of this, Violet, for Boots, for the podcast, for? I think we feel like we have just reached a starting point, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds like a weird thing to say at 47 years old. <laughs> Not but, at all. But <laughs> it uh, makes a lot of sense to us. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the Backbeat Studio, Violet, Boot, and the Unsung Dreamers, those are all things that we are really enjoying uh, growing. It's kind of like our garden. Yeah. Like that's our, our four little flower beds and we're watering them and we're taking care of them and making sure that they are being tended to and weeded. That's kind of what we're growing right now. And one of them might just really blow over here and the other one might just not do so well. I don't know. But but those are the things that we are really enjoying putting our time into. You know, Backbeat being the place to come take great vocal lessons from Tara and other lessons we have available. Just try to find our information somewhere. Uh, Boot is us going out and singing songs, and we're really enjoying that. That's a totally different thing uh, for both of us. Yeah, just actually. us two and him playing piano. I've, I've so never really performed my songs without a full band behind me. I've never just sat vulnerable like that at a piano and tried <laughs> to take care of all the music myself. It's very stressful, but it's actually super exhilarating and fun. The podcast is uh, re- we're really getting a lot out of that, and, and we're we're hearing a lot of people's great feedback on like. This is this is really fun. Like no one's ever thought of this before. And Violet, of course, has been playing for years now. And every show they get better and better. So I don't know, you know, which one's gonna take yeah. off. But that's our garden right now. So that's fantastic. So let's go ahead and let people know where can they listen to your podcast at? Um, usually anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, specifically, uh, your Apple app or Spotify. Even if you just search us, um, you'll find us. But there's also a website, and it's. Uh, we we use uh, Libsyn as our host, so mm-hmm. you can find it at unsungdreamers.libsyn.com. And Libsyn is L-I-B-S-Y-N. 
Okay. So that's one way. Uh, Facebook, we're on Facebook, Unsung Dreamers, and all the links are on there to find find the podcast. But also, I've got to add really quick. If you Google search <laughs> Unsung Dreamers, we are number one result. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I kind of, that freaked me out the other day. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I didn't think Unsung Dreamers was that uh, unique of a phrase, but we're actually number one in just a plain, straight up Google search. Yeah. Uh, the thing that, like with our podcast, it was the weird thing for me is like, we can go, Alexa, play Pop Goes Culture podcast, and it plays the latest one. I'm like, <gasps> what? Yeah. Like, what? It's kind of fun. Joey's yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I was like, that's amazing. He's like, you're easily entertained. I'm like, you it's don't worry so about it. Let me be happy. Let me yeah. be yeah. excited. Right. Yes. Now, as so far great. as uh, Boot had a show a couple nights ago, yep. when, when's the next show for that? Boot's next show is uh, September 13th, which is a Thursday night over at the new place Shuffle. Okay. And that's over on Campbell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Campbell. And uh, Violet? Right now, Violet's next show is not until November, okay. um, but I'm working on something for October. So Well, they can follow you on Facebook, yep. though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Boots got the Facebook. Unsung Dreamers has the Facebook. Violet has the Facebook. Backbeat Productions Backbeat has the Facebook. Productions. We got all the... All that stuff covered. So. I knew that, but they need to know that. <laughs> right, right, I, right. I have all of them on mine. And I know, I know, it kind of seems like a, a no-brainer, but but we do try to keep them updated on like upcoming events. Even Backbeat Productions advertises Tara's vocal performance. Um, uh, showcases, showcases. Yeah. and so if you want to nice. just come hear some of Tara's you know it's free to get in yep. if you want to hear some of Tara's students sing you know and follow their progress that's even been kind of fun for people so absolutely well uh, we uh, you can find us Pop Goes Culture Podcast you can find us on Facebook at Facebook dot com slash Pop Goes Culture Podcast or you can find us on Twitter at PGTC uh, Podcast um Thank you so much, both of you guys, thank for you guys. this uh, yeah, thank interview. You. This is this is my personal thing that I wanted to do. So awesome. I'm, I'm going to start doing some things like that that uh, we can just add to our channel, add to where uh, we're starting a whole lot of stuff over where we're at. So Great. we're trying to get uh, an umbrella corporation going where we can get people who are doing podcasts to come with us and we will cross promote with them and that a way that takes that fee of you know paying for to get out there and how to figure it all out we just put you in with us and then you know we're all one big happy family we all help each other and that's what it's about for us Mm -hmm. yeah it's about helping each other and because there's there's enough mean stuff in this world yeah there needs to be people (laughs) looking out for each other just looking out for each other and fun yep and so but we thank you so much and again I have been Kenny with PGTC Ken on Twitter, and I've been Odin with Stuff and Things, and then of course Dan Fritz and Tara Lynn Fritz. There you go. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope we could do something fun again. Yeah, thank absolutely. You so much. Thank Thanks, you. Bye. Bye.